Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Perotzman. In today's episode, we're talking about levels of consciousness among musical performers as compared to gurus and spiritual teachers. Along the way, we also touch on the consciousness of actors and daredevils and attempt to discover the beauty of a peak performance and being in the audience at a peak performance. We tackle the role of a performance ego, compare the ways in which singers like Frank Sinatra and Elton John conveyed their gifts, and attempt to draw some conclusions from the unmeasurable evidence that we all can feel about what it means to be consciously awake. It's a daring adventure, but the invitation is to find a reliable, personal way in to what brings you the bliss of deeper awareness. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always, in these open conversations here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. What are we talking about? Actually? <laughs> well, it's, I, you know, I was saying to a friend of mine who just left my, my apartment, um, she, uh, she was asking like, oh, you got your podcast recording. I'm like, yeah. She's like, what's the topic today? I'm like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. With no idea. It's just like, let, let's pretend that we're getting it from the universe, downloading it right now. Like, oh, right. <laughs> Bang. I don't like that. I like that. <laughs> well, we did figure it out. So we got something, something juicy to talk about, which is basically consciousness, especially within, I mean, within ourselves, but within other people. And when you're around people that we can call high vibrational, you can call them really yeah. Uh, enlightened souls, perhaps just people that are on a higher level of consciousness, higher level of awakening, understanding, let's throw those terms around. You kind of get the gist of what we're talking about. And what, what does it feel like to be in that presence? What is it? What, what happens when you're around people or, or listening to people like that? We're watching um, like, you know, TVs, the Grammys were on last night. So I, I didn't watch it. But I imagine, you know, if you were sitting there watching the Grammys, you have a different response to everybody on the stage, right? And and what would that feel like? You're like, obviously, there'd be a resonance for some of them that you really like and some you wouldn't or you didn't care for the music or you liked other music better or whatever. But that's a consciousness thing, too, right? Yeah. And like, you know, you can feel with some artists that you can feel a lot of ego behind what's being said, you know, uh, or, or even performed. And then there's some artists where it's like pure, pure expression, pure love, you know, um, and, and all that kind of stuff, even like with... Um, I don't know why it just reminded me of like someone like a Michael Jackson, for example, where oh, you yeah. know, at that level of fame, even still, there was so much love infused yeah. into his music and his performances. And wow, you know, like you felt that higher level of consciousness, despite what all the tabloids and pop culture has uh, made of him. And who knows what's true and what's not, but uh, certainly can feel from the music and from his performances that really high level of consciousness, pure, pure love that comes through. And uh, you were saying before we started recording um, that uh, you're, you watch, you know, like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, and, and different even uh, late night TV show hosts. And that's the same kind of um, sensation, different hosts, different people, different consciousness give you a much different feeling, right? A completely different feeling. Yeah. And, um, you know, I haven't seen a whole bunch of what Questlove has done. I really want to see the documentary that won for best documentary at the Oscars. But there's something about that guy. You know, I can't really put my finger on it. Even just the, the little short clips that, that come out of The Tonight Show, right, where, where they cut over to the band. And he's just this presence. Mm. You know, you just get that feeling of a presence that's there. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to jump way out there and say that it's spiritual or whatever, but there's, there's something you were saying about Michael Jackson. It's the same kind of thing. Mm. When you watch that, or when I watch that, I've... I feel like something different is going on, you know, than the average show or than anybody else that you want to compare, you know, put them on the same stage. Um, you know, they don't hold on the band long enough, but certainly there's a connection that exists there that speaks in a way that is different, I guess. It's really hard to do this without judgment. So being judgment neutral about this, because some people resonate for things that are absolutely amazing and some people don't. Um, and it's just a preference. It doesn't say anything about you. It's just a preference, right? And it's also, um, in a way, a reflection of where you're at, perhaps, too, in your oh, journey. Oh, sure. You're like, where on the journey you happen to be. <laughs> exactly. I connected with artists when I was a teenager. 
some, some that were still deeply connected and I listened to again today. I'm like, yep, I can see why I like that. I can see, like, I, I still feel a lot of, uh, good, good kind of messages, good vibrations behind that. Uh, and then some artists that I, I love for the nostalgia, but other than the nostalgia, there isn't a whole lot going on because I was in a different place in my level of consciousness at 14, 16, 18, whatever. And uh, listening back now, I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I uh, I enjoy the the the, the blast blast from the past, but otherwise, I could go without listening to that music now. You know, I, or, I understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've put on old movies that used to make us laugh, you know, and they don't make us laugh anymore. And it's just, you know, we're the ones who've changed. The movie's the same. Exactly. And then there's old movies that we just howl to, like we've seen them for the first time that mm. somehow are just. They still resonate that way, or they have but, new layers. Have they, you ever yeah, get you'd that? Find, yeah. Right, you'd, you'd get new layers of meaning out of them. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, that's the difference between you know literature and uh, you know not literature. <laughs> what you know, whatever it is, and it doesn't make any of them less good. You know, it's all good. It just speaks in a different way as we progress through our understanding. And, and you know what? So, you know, I, you were mentioning this before we started too. We're both sort of old souls and we sort of resonate for a chronological age that's older than our, than our own chronological, chronological age. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's always been a kind of a burden for me because there's so much that's popular right now in the time that I've kind of missed. I have to go back and pick it up. Like I'm working backwards through the music I love and sort of coming of age musically at a much different age that I am chronologically. It's really weird. Like I didn't really get into the Beatles until I was in my 20s or something. I knew they were out there. I knew what the songs were, but to actually listen deeply into that, oh, you know, it, it didn't hit me until much later than they were actually on the scene, which I totally missed by the time, you know, I was old enough to know who they were really they'd stop playing. (laughs) And ironically, I'm like, as a teenager, listening to like Frank Sinatra and and the Beatles and just loving these like old Motown classics and being like, oh, right, there's also pop music I should probably listen to. (laughs) Right, right. Which which is fine. But so um, I'm just sort of picking names out of the air here. But as you're listening to this, so pick any two performers that you love, you know, performers that you really love. And I don't know, let's pick Sinatra and Elton John. Right. Just because, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of a difference in consciousness that exists. A totally different people, totally different kinds of music, uh, but you just feel a different sort of vibe when you're watching Sinatra than when you're watching Elton John. And I guess if anything, we want to try to do is sort of break that down into the nuts and bolts of it today. Mm-hmm. And, and see how we relate to being in the presence of a consciousness. And then take that to a level where, like, if you and I could sit with uh, the Dalai Lama or somebody, somebody that we know is of higher consciousness mm-hmm. or can generally agree, like, between the two mm-hmm. of us, but not the world, just between the two of us, you know, <laughs> uh, to compare. Um, that could be a pretty cool conversation, right? I'm, I'm, I'm into it. And, and I'm already starting to break it down. Like, okay, so we have two performers like Sinatra and, and Elton John. Or anybody else you want to mention. I'd Whoever, but I like these. Let's just keep like this we'll keep as an example, okay. you know. And so you've got things like life experience um, and, and, of course, like, you know, deep aspects of who that person is. And then you look at someone like Elton John, who's sure singing lyrics that were written by another person but he's singing and interpreting and bringing them actually kind of in a similar sense to what Sinatra would would have been doing as well. Um, But bringing in his life experience as um, someone who was, was a closet homosexual coming out and then, and then became to be his true self and then had, had a very, I mean, very specific journey, very, very different to someone like Sinatra who I forget his actual like origin stories per se. I know he's also an actor and also just like a, those all around performers, you know, of course, was in the Rat Pack and had, uh, had, I feel like with Sinatra, he had almost more of a, uh, his, like a, an era or a history, like his, his music almost was like iconic for a time in, in, in history or a, yeah, yeah, a time in America and, or North America. And, and that's what I get always brought back to is like, I'm 
1950 in New York City, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm on fedora. Broadway. I got the fedora. Cigarette. I got the nice suit, the c- cigarette. I'm at yeah. the bar having a whiskey or something, and there's a smoky piano in the other room, and like you know, like that's the vibe. And then with Elton John, it's like colors and extravagance and big stages and lights and like really extravagant, elegant, yeah. you know tapestries and just stacks of keyboards and stacks of keyboards rocking and rolling like, like jumping up and down slamming on the piano and high energy this and that and it's just it's it's obviously yeah like I, I wonder if a big contributor is life experience and the specific feelings that the artist is putting behind the music so do you think Elton um, felt more of a a need to sell the music or was he doing that because it was so incredibly amazing to just be him and perform this way in this environment that, that he created. I mean, he, he basically created the live concert that was so different for any, you know, singer songwriter at the time. I'm using the term lightly, I guess, because yeah, although he helped you uh, Bernie Topin wrote about it, but that, that whole thing that was the Elton John experience, you know, completely different and also just as a magnetic as the Frank Sinatra experience, mm, mm-hmm. you know, of him standing in front of a big band and just, you know, schmoozing with the crowd, cruising, all crooning, <laughs> you know, just, the whole yeah, thing. you know, like it's such a different, such a different experience, but authentically them, I mean, to a degree, right? Cause I, it is, it's a great question. How much of it's motivated by money? Not that, not that, you know, especially in this day and age, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be compensated fairly and, and adequately for your creations. Nothing wrong with that. But I think especially back in the day, uh, not too long ago and still to this day and age, you know, uh, doing it for the sake of money and not for the sake of soul or sake of, you know, um, love or the sake of, you know, all that stuff um, is, you know, you can feel it behind the music sometimes. So I don't know how much of a contributor that was. I'm sure it was contributing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's a I'm factor, sure right? record labels have pressure. We know that. I mean, they're famous for a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, big pop stars like that have huge influence. Therefore, they do have a lot of uh, things that they need to, rules in some ways that they have to abide by. At the same time, you know, you can't really create a show that's that magnetic and that powerful without there being that heart, that soul. Yeah, that, that extra bit, right? You know, right? Which we're, which yeah. we're going to call consciousness. Like we're going to lump call, it all in there and just say, you know, whatever it was. The the extra je ne sais quoi, the extra X factor, whatever you want to call it, that that extra pizzazz is, the yeah, it's the consciousness of, of that, of the performer, of that personality, of that being, you know, and like Sinatra, what for, say what you want about <laughs> mafia connections or or whatever right. you know all the other fickle things uh, in his life. He was not a perfect person by any stretch. However, you know what a persona, you know what a what a personality, what a charisma that is undeniable, and that's why it's so easy to just be sucked into that world that that smooth like yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> you and, know you know and and probably in a good way I, i'm gonna mm. say probably in a good mm. way i mean goodness knows his music's been used for everything i know but i think generally speaking if you had a chance to go see sinatra at some point that would be an experience that you'd want to have yeah you know even if it was not your favorite music just being mm-hmm. in the room with the guy you could tell your grandkids right Exactly. And I'd feel the same way about Elton John. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about it. There's that, that, that je ne sais quoi. There's that thing that takes it from a Sinatra impersonator to the actual Sinatra, from the Elton yes. John, you know, yes. as amazing as the musicals have been, right? Mm-hmm. To that next level where it's really him. Mm. Not an imitation of. Not mm-hmm. a, yeah, not an imitation, not somebody playing his music. Mm-hmm but actually being there. And I've heard people say this about other people too. Like uh, Bette Midler has that kind of presence. I hear Paul McCartney too. McCart- uh, McCartney for sure. Uh, Streisand. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not agent experience because even Billie Eilish has that. All the greats do. I think we can probably start to agree on that. All Michael the greats, Jackson, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, Prince. I mean, the list goes on. David Bowie, all, all of these like just, like, you know, even if you don't like the music, you would definitely, even like someone like a Beyonce, um, like these these performers oh, yeah. that are like, 
you can't not be thoroughly entertained, <laughs> even right. if you don't really like the music. You know, it's just such a spectacle, such a force of nature, and en- like it's the energy too. You know, even um, again, like if you don't like Coldplay's music, their concerts are so euphoric and just so energizing. Having experienced them multiple times, like you don't have to like any of their music to not, you're going to feel uplifted. Like it's impossible yeah. not to, when you got 50, 60,000 people singing love songs, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's, it's more than talent, right? And it's more Far than more. skill. And it's more than mm. there's that's that it's that other thing that we're looking for here. And how does that work? And, and other, we're calling it consciousness, but it could be anything. I mean, who knows what it could be? There's some unmeasurable dimension of goodness in there. Well, they talk about, you know, the, like the ether of, of like existence, essentially just being love, you know, these out of body experiences, near death experiences um, that we have like tens of thousands of records of now that have been documented in like ER rooms and highly like properly documented cases of people experiencing life after death. And one of the things they say is that it's like, it's essentially existence is love. You just literally exist into this frequency web of liquid of love, you know, like that's what, that's what really the fabric of our universe is. Um, We can't prove that scientifically yet, or we might prove it and we might name it something different than love, but our, uh, our consciousness understands that. And so when you see something that's of that high level of, of, um, of a spectacle uh, in, in, in our, and we're just talking about music right now, but it's yeah. in anything. And when you see that, it's, I think it's because you're just getting such a level of love, even if the content doesn't have to be about love, but it's the love behind that content, I think, is, is playing a big role. So are we going to go out on a limb and say that Sinatra and Elton John had that? And that that came through in spite of all of the fan craze and everything else that looked Drug like, abuse and yeah, all yeah, the like all of the rest yeah. of that, mm-hmm. you know, lifestyle, pick anything. Are we going to say that? And, and you know, I, I, I'm thinking for myself, the answer is yes. I've never really thought about it this way before, you know? Me neither. Because separating um, the person and everything that they do from the art, which we've talked about before, um, that's tough in mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. But when the art speaks, you know, what are you going to say? No, I'm not listening. I think about like, what's that? Uh, that uh, satellite that we sent out many oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, Voyager with the golden record on the side. Yeah, it's with just the golden flying record. into the universe. Yeah. It's playing classic songs from planet Earth. You know, there's going to be aliens that will obviously, um, you know, interact with this at some point or another. And they'll be like, okay, like they're not going to know the backstory of Elvis or the backstory of Marvin Gaye or whatever other classic artists were on that and Beethoven, whatever, you know, and uh, they're not going to know that. They're just going to hear the vibration, the sound, the music, and that's what their, their experience will be. So at the end, you know, that is a way, I mean, you can definitely separate it. It's hard for us because we know the backstories. We know all the other things with these artists, but like their, their personal lives, but the music stands, the, the art stands on its own as a, as a, as a vibration, as a frequency of, of information, of love, of, of creativity, of all the other things that it is. So I think you, I mean, yeah, I think we can, I think we can separate the two. And I think that's what still makes something is like, like an Elton John show. So, so spectacular, even, even regardless of his personal life. So go even farther out on this limb. If someone who has never heard Sinatra, Elton John, were to listen to their music recordings, so we take the visual out of it, right? Mm. Um, do you think it would get through? That's a great question. I mean, the thing we have to acknowledge is that it is subjective. Art is subjective. Yeah, right. So, well, maybe a um, Westerner. I mean, put it in a culturally appropriate setting. Okay. You know? Because that's the thing too. Like, let's say it's someone, an extraterrestrial. I like using, you know, an alien or extraterrestrial as <laughs> example. It's someone that's not even on planet Earth that has no reference point and right. hears it. I mean, that is going to be purely subjective, I think. However, at the same time, I would like to think that, I mean, first of all, love is a universal uh, feeling. I mean, it's permeates throughout the entire universe. So even the extraterrestrials will feel that vibration, feel that that frequency, and 
you know, with those artists that we just, that we do feel a lot of that love behind, they will have, let's say a higher likelihood of, of resonating with that, that artist or that, that song. But it's a good point. You know, if you take out the cultural aspects, I mean, for me, Sinatra, a big appeal is the cultural aspect. I yeah. feel like I'm in the 1950s. I yeah. love that era. I love the aesthetic of that era. Yeah. I love the movies from that era, you know, so I, I, I'm definitely biased too. That's for sure. Um, that's a good point. What are your th- what do you think about that? Well, I, I'm I'm trying to evolve a, a point on it as as we're discussing here because there's some music that I love in this world that's like Icelandic or Scandinavian. I have no mm. idea what they're saying. It doesn't matter actually because the music Beautiful. is what grabs me mm-hmm. and the harmonies and the combination of stuff. There's a um, I think they're from Sweden. It's a choral group like a cappella group, maybe four women's voices. And their music is just eerily um, sublime. It just has mm. this incredible sense about it. I don't know what they look like, I, and I don't know what they're saying. Mm. Sometimes they'll hit a melody that I recognize, but that doesn't make any difference either, because who knows? Maybe the words are, are so totally different. But something mm. about the music alone is enough to reach me and invite me to a level of consciousness that's different from wherever I was you know, before the music came on. And so I'm not sure about the answer. I mean, I'm, I know that works the same way with Sinatra. For me, it works the same with Sinatra. It works the same with Elton John. Uh, it's a different kind of thing entirely if I were to put on like Kanye West, or we're just calling him Ye now, I think is what he wants. Oh, to I can't keep track, but yeah. known as Ye. <laughs> but um, so I, I don't know. I think maybe it's, maybe the music is enough. I, I think yeah, it's a really interesting point because now you're making me think about my favorite Icelandic music and just instrumental music too in general. Right, yeah. Where there's no lyrics and also when there's no cultural reference either, especially I, I love the band Sigurós, which is they're Icelandic. I like that. I grew up listening to them as a teenager and their music since day one has taken me literally into another world, into a whole etheric heavenly realm and... uh and they're quite well known now. Like they're quite a popular artsy rock, post-rock kind of band, but like cinematic and very yeah. grandiose soundscapes. But and the the lead singer Yancey just has this weird voice and beautifully weird, but so unique and so odd and so heavenly. And um, you know, I, again, that's a quality and the love and the the emotion and the consciousness behind that music is is quite quite palpable, very, very evident from day one. And I think we all know this when we hear any any artist that is pouring their soul into something, you feel it immediately. You don't have to necessarily yeah. even love the style or the genre, but you'll probably still sit and listen to it just because it's so raw. You know, like I, I'm witnessing some just local live flamenco guitar in Spain oh my right. god, oh, the yes. passion behind that. Oh my god. So amazing. Does it take a big ego to be able to sustain this kind of thing? Like you were talking about Ziggurat and Yancey. Do you have a feel for like, in comparison to their commitment to the music or I don't know, I know how to measure that. Like ego is not a thing that you normally measure in a good way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. Ego is something that we have. We don't want to get, discard it completely. It, it runs the show a lot too much in our current society, but it's not like, it's like all the things like our, our, uh, we were talking about the, you know, the, was it David Hawkins is uh, yeah, yeah. consciousness map, right? Map of consciousness. And, you know, just because you're experiencing anger doesn't mean that's a bad thing. We have anger for a reason, but we're just trying to move out of always feeling angry, you know? And so it's the same with the ego. It's like, we, we, you know, we don't want the ego running the show, but it, I think you're right. Like we have it for a reason and there needs to be a, a little healthy dose of it in these artists. And I think, I would use a, an example like Sigaros just because they are, I've seen them live three times now and um, I get a very humble, humble, humble mm-hmm. uh, presence from them, but they're, they're quite massive. Like no, no one really knows about them until you know about them. And then they sell out stadiums worldwide. It's kind of a funny phenomenon. So they're, they're quite at a point that they could easily have an ego and uh, it certainly doesn't come across, and I don't see any uh, much signs of it. But there's enough to be like, well, I, we are worth it. Our music's awesome. You got to listen to this, you know? 
that that is a bit of ego, but that's healthy ego because that I think is that there's like a strength behind that to then project out, out on these huge platforms and, and let it be reached by a major audience. So it's a good point, right? Do we want a healthy little dose of ego perhaps? Or I don't do, know. You, do you need a big dose of it to be able to sustain the bigness of the humility? Like, is it, is it a combination act, right? I, I've never thought of um, Elton John or Sinatra as being egoless, but I've never thought of either one of them as being like overly narcissistic. Yeah. I mean, know? I don't, those two, it's, those two, it's hard because we don't, I don't know any, I don't know them too well in their, I feel like there's a solid ego, certainly with Sinatra, probably more, maybe more than Elton, but hard to say. It's really hard to say. I would say certainly more, the both Elton and, and Sinatra would have a large, I would guess would have a much larger ego than these, you know, um, more artsy, eclectic Icelandic groups or something like that. But none of, none of them, even the artsy, uh, you know, eclectic groups, none of them seem to be fragile. Exactly. Right. You know, you've got exactly. to have some kind of a, so we're some talking kind of guts to go on stage. Some kind of a balance. Yeah. Some kind of a balance. And interesting. I mean, I, it's weird because you wonder how the person serves the art, right? And to do that and sustain that for a lifetime. How old is Tony Bennett? He's, he's still performing, right? He's still going, right? Sustain that for a lifetime. There seems to be some sort of combination that works. Mm. You know, or like anybody from the Stones. <laughs> oh my God! Right, blood transfusions and all. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and yet, you know, we've got guys that off themselves in their thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a tragedy around music too, and we, we all feel the loss. Like yeah. when when we when we lose a, a fantastic performer. I was just um, introduced to a, to a musician, singer, songwriter, whose name I don't remember right now, but uh, she was one of those amazing people who had all this talent, got onto America's Got Talent, and um, was doing what she was doing in spite of having terminal cancer. Mm. Even though she had like a 2% chance of living, she still gave it her all wow. the whole time. And she passed away in late February, a beautiful soul mm. who came to do a job and did that job with joy and all of that, right? And... Um, I, the one that I do remember, Eva Cassidy, who did the same kind of thing, uh, left a beautiful legacy of music. Mm. And who knows, because she wasn't around long enough for anybody to really get it, what level of consciousness to be really sort of mathematical about it. Um, Eva Cassidy could have had versus Sinatra versus anybody, right? It, mm. But the music had a way of speaking that was beyond the person. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess where I'm going here is that, yeah, I think the ego is necessary to keep that going. Even if you know that your chance of life is 2%, the ego is still there driving you to give what you've got in a way that's beautiful and humble, hmm. you know, even though yeah. you know, you're not going to live very long. But if you didn't have the ego and you know, the, the guts to stand on stage and do what you do, uh, we would have never heard that. That's such a good point. Right? Such a good point. And I wonder, like, with the, the Kurt Cobains, or uh, I've just been listening to, I've been going through a bit of a Jeff Buckley phase recently. Oh, and, another, yes, another cool. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my God. What a yeah. tragedy. But what a talent. And Incredible. Like, his guy, music just I, resonates. Oh iconic. My, I know. And his voice. And, I mean, his voice is shaped. Like, I know Tom York from Radiohead talks about his big influence of his. And I think Chris Martin from Coldplay as well. And other, yeah. many other vocalists have referenced Jeff Buckley. This guy only had one album. Yeah, just one album. Yeah, that's one it. Album. An EP. Played in a coffee shop. Yeah, you know, in whatever, in uh, in the village, right, Greenwich Village. He would do um, he would do open mics before his actual shows too. He would go into like random open mics, play for free, you yeah. know, and blow people away because he's Jeff Buckley. And uh, oh my God, what a, what a talent and what a tragedy. And and, and you got to wonder too, like, I mean, it's interesting. And I'm starting now to be like, this is getting into like psychology here, but like <laughs> the difference between ego. And drive and, and that, you know, um, and not ambition, but, but that sense of like urgency to be like, no, this is what I'm here to do. Like that mission, I guess. Like, yeah, right? the mission. Where, where you know your soul's on a mission to be blank, to be the, you know, amazing activist or to be an amazing diplomat or to be an amazing musician, right? And these are people that are, that are, are, are fully um, in, in the pursuit of that calling, Yeah, you know, and that's the energy they're getting. And there's, there's certainly ego and then, then ego can 
can take you way too far where you're all about the accolades, all about the awards, all about the money. But with enough ego, you're at that point where you're like, I just, I know I need big stages, big audiences, because I have a freaking powerful message and like, you guys need to hear this. Yeah. I think that's like the happy, the happy medium that these artists all, uh, I think, seem to have in common is that, that enough of yeah, the ego. The ones where, who sustain it, like, yeah, you know, who, who managed to, to live their, uh, their gift fully. And I think it translates into their music, like we were saying, because I feel that strength and that, you know, that, that, uh, that confidence, that sure, that like, this is what I'm communicating in this song. You feel that through the music with a healthy dose of ego. I think if there wasn't enough in there, it would sound like a lot of other artists that it's like, it's okay. It's fine. It sounds like a little bit of this or something a little else, or it's, it just, it's not, quite <laughs> there not quite hitting that mark yeah because maybe they're trying to sound a little bit like someone else and they're not they're not in their fullest expression and i think that's another big thing too I, i'm certainly learning as myself with my music but observing that in all the greats where they're just so them they are they're no other artists they are themselves you know yeah yes. no one's gonna sound like alton john no one's gonna sound like frank sinatra even the impersonators because it's that energy and then they, and they know that. So they're like, I'm not trying to go out there and sound like another artist or to try to be as good as whoever. I'm just going to go out there and, and do my thing, you know, fully. So there is a level of surrender because you've got to put all the other stuff aside. You know, it's not like Sinatra has to say, Oh God, I got to sing, you know, New York, New York for the thousand somethings time. <laughs> I wonder if I'll make it. It's like, that's my song. That's who I am. I mean, at that level, that's who I am, right? So off I go, and and it and and it's one more chance to be Sinatra. The the, the closest I got was seeing um, a, a play that I think came off Broadway and came up to Toronto and our equivalent of Broadway, and uh, it's called the Rat Pack. And it was so is it it Sinatra and you know Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Who was the fourth? I always forget the fourth guy. Yeah, usually fourth, but anyway, those are the big three, and um, and it just it was so fun. I loved the show. I loved all of it, but it just I knew in my head too. Still, I'm like, but imagine if it was the real Rat Pack, <laughs> right? They did a great job. Like they did as good a job as you could have done, in my opinion. But it's it's just that it's not the same essence. It's not the same consciousness, right? It's not the real sort of it's like it's offering a bow, you know, mm. where there needs to be one. It's like we know we're not them, but we're going to honor them by doing this. Which is what I loved about it. And the even yeah. like the even the opening, the guy, uh, there's a, it's like a, dressed in a tux, he comes out on stage. He's like, he starts talking like 1950s. Italian mob <laughs> gangster. All right, everyone, keep your phones off. If I hear any rings, it's going to be words afterwards, you know. And then, all right, enjoy the show. You know, they're, so they're playing up, like, all the mob connections and mafia connections with the Rat Pack and Sinatra. And they're, they're playing fun with it. And they're, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And they, it's exactly like you said. They were taking a bow. They were honoring um, that era and those artists and, and having it. And that's why it was so fun is because they were acknowledging all of that and not trying to, like, just be that so they were they they knew that there's a separation and they honored that and that's why it was great but it just it always made me still again wonder like what would that sound like just like um i saw the other musical we will rock you which is a queen musical right right it's so cool to have an ensemble choral like chorus of people singing the like queen music it's the best but still i was like but what if freddie was there what yeah, would yeah. that sound like right exactly i know oh. <laughs> My wife and I were in a, a tribute band, a Mama's Papa's tribute band for a while. Oh, great. And had that same kind of experience. Like, what would have it been like if Cass, you know, were here? And, and you cannot not do that music without having those thoughts. You know, I, I don't know how many people can sing like Sinatra. Goodness knows. Michael Buble, let's pick him. Sure. Right? But he's also got his own lane where, yes, some of the songs are the same songs, but he's put his he's got his buble on it, right? Exactly. The way that Tony Bennett has his Tony Bennett on it. And you know, it's like all of that. And so the music is there. And even the space editing probably tell the difference, you know, between the voice. Well, that's somebody else singing, right? Yeah. Even without frequency. knowing the words. You can tell. 
but um, but something about it is setting it apart. You know, mm. it, it's, it's some that consciousness thing that we, we can't measure or identify. It, it's got to be. It's a great. It's a great filler word uh, because it's true, right? It's it's the same with any. Excuse me. We can get out of music for a moment, like in film, actors, actors and actresses, yes. right? It's the yes. exact same thing. You know, I like name. Like I was just watching Ocean's Eleven the other night, so I'm thinking of George Clooney right now in my head, or, or Brad Pitt. But like, you know, these are just iconic actors who are kind of. I mean, they're great actors, but let's be honest. Like you're seeing them because it's the actor. It's not really the character they're playing. And that's right. when when all those actors get to that level, you know. It's it's so like the the even just now I'm getting flashes of like Audrey Hepburn or you know these like Marilyn Monroe like these obviously iconic iconic personalities consciousnesses um, that that we fall in love with because of their their presence their energy and you know I had a funny funny story when I was 18 traveling in London England backpacking and uh, one night stumbled across a movie premiere. This was at the time uh, a Christopher Nolan film called The Prestige. It starred Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, Michael Caine, um, Christian um, Bale, and uh, and fantastic film. Anyway, I was at the premiere of it, and I just got to – I didn't know what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, uh, there's one limo pulls up, and uh, Michael Caine walks out. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Michael Caine. So cool. He seemed very approachable, though. He seemed really like – I could have a beer with this guy. Really down to earth, nice, cool guy. Soft spoken, just kind of doing his thing. A couple of the other actors, Andy Serkis and some other really great actors that had come out. I was like, great, cool. It's so cool to see them. But then, what was it? I think it was Hugh Jackman then got there. And this guy comes out, and it's like next level charisma radiating from this guy. Like one of the best looking humans I've probably I've ever seen in real life, first of all. But also just, it's not just the physical good looks, it's this, it's this charisma, it's this aura, it's this energy, it's, it's the consciousness. And I was just floored at this guy's presence. All he yeah. did was just walk down a freaking red carpet. Yeah. But I was, I was transfixed. I'm like, well, no wonder you're so, no wonder you, you are who you are because I'm transfixed for just watching you pick up a piece of garbage off the ground or something, you know? Right. Like, no wonder you're a leading man actor. And, and then afterwards, I had the same with Scarlett Johansson, she comes out of the limo and I'm, I'm just like jaw dropped to the ground. I'm like, wow, I've never seen such a gorgeous, incredible human being. Again, radiating charisma. Just your eyes are just magnetized to that person. It's got to it's be the consciousness. Yeah, it must be. Because I know Ella had that and Whitney Houston and mm -hmm. uh, Louis Armstrong. Uh, oh, yeah. I got to go to a live Wynton Marsalis concert once. And I'd never seen him before. Of course, I'd heard him a lot, but I'd never seen him. And that presence was there. Mm. And I, it, it can only be consciousness. You know, Chris? It, it has it can, to be. It has to be. It has and that, to be. Just lump it all in. That's, that's the word. Or <laughs> spirituality. It's the best one I can think of. Consciousness. It's because it's not just spirituality can be more like interpreted of a way that we navigate life, you know, yeah, spiritual yeah. practices, things like that. Consciousness is, it's the essence of who we are. It it's crosses the, all the practices. Exactly. It's just, it's just life. It's consciousness. Just, yeah, it's just there. <laughs> I, I have never been in the presence of the Dalai Lama, um, watched him plenty, but I was in the presence of um, Trungpa Rinpoche once. And it was one of those things where when you came into the room, you felt that same kind of response, like you did with Hugh Jackman or whatever. It's that same feeling. It's not a, I mean, there, there's a charismatic thing about these very spiritual teachers, mm. but it's not the movie star. It, but it's that kind of energy, you know, because I mm. felt that energy with other with you know, musicians that I've seen, famous musicians in the room, uh, not even sometimes knowing what it was. Mm. But then consciously sometimes also knowing what it was and connecting those experiences. It's like, wow, that happened, right? And here's, you know, so, <laughs> you know, obviously actors have a totally different job than a spiritual teacher. But the presence is the same. Mm. You know, that, that, that feeling of presence, which is in some ways egoless, but also very powerful, mm -hmm. but not in a powerful ego manipulative way powerful in, a, in, in a, an inclusive way, maybe, mm. in an energy transmission. It's like they're little like, energy uh, devices that just, their job is just give out energy, right? 
give out energy, get out, give out energy. I could see that Hugh Jackman's a very high energy guy. He's just yeah. like, oh yeah, what's going on? Woo! You know, like very engaged and like you're like, wow, you're this guy's operating on a high level of energy. Exactly. Oh, his I've seen some of the performances he's done. Uh, wasn't he the guy in um, the movie about the the circus guy? What was his name? It was a it was a movie musical that they made. Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. It's a musical because right. he's a great singer too. That's the other hilarious thing. He's he actually started in theater and, and yeah, he does musical, musical theater, theater and like, like oh craziness. You sing too, <laughs> and he did a he did the opening number for the Tonys one year that was mm. incredible. I was just like wow, this is amazing. You know, you see him in the movies, he's like okay, well he's acting stuff like that, but that's just a part of this incredible talent that he has. It's, it was it's a amazing. PC Barnum movie. What is that? There's a great song from it too. Um, it's gonna. I, I, it's not the we'll illusionist. It. Anyway, down the road. Film, but I, I know what you're talking about. So there's that. Um, so I guess what I want to say about this is how much of consciousness is that peaceful, like monks sitting in the cave thing, and is that at the same sort of level of power as? Um, watching Whitney Houston take a breath? So it's such a good question. Cause like you look at the monks meditating, like let's look at the Dalai Lama, for example. And then, you know, you, you, yeah, you compare it to like someone like Whitney Houston, right? Yeah. Very different, <laughs> clearly. Right. Right. Yeah. Obviously. And, and completely different life paths. Um, one, obviously a lot more self-destructive than the other in some regards, um, different, different spiritual path, a lot of differences, but at the same time, you look at the consciousness and that like we can call it the essence that's in that physical body that we call Whitney Houston or Dalai Lama. And I like the word essence. Yeah. There's something about, again, when she's in her element, when she's singing, I'm like, that's bringing me closer to source universe, God, whatever you want to yeah. use that hearing her sing brings me to that. Like, wow. Like the, almost that, like, you know, especially if it was live or something and you really feel like her voice takes you somewhere, just like the, the, the energy and the voice of the Dalai Lama, when he speaks, when he laughs, that takes you somewhere too. And I, and I feel like that's where they, they have that commonality, even though their lives and, and even just the, the way they live their lives, some with a lot more ego than others perhaps, but it's that essence is very especially when they're in their zone of genius and doing what their mission is, whether it's singing, acting, speaking, writing, whatever, um, you feel it. You feel definitely. it. Definitely. Definitely. I feel that same kind of, I mean, I feel that powerful surge when the, when the star comes on stage at the opening of the concert and everybody just jumps up and goes crazy. Right. And I also feel that. So one of my favorite shows is Detectorists written by Mackenzie Crook, who played a pirate in the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's the guy with the big eyes. Mm. scrawny guy big eyes but he wrote this three series very quiet very subdued english comedy and the only reason to watch all of it is the last episode <laughs> because in the last episode first of all everything comes together as it should but secondly is when you really get the insight into what their consciousness the, of these characters is all about and why they're built the way they are and what they do and all of that and you get that same kind of feeling as when you watch the Dalai Lama laugh mm. or when you jump up at a concert, when everybody comes, you know, it's like that same kind of amazing feeling inside. Mm. From like a I, very quiet little thing, right? It, it's, it's like all art that resonates, I think, brings you to that place. I'm, I, yes. You made me think of Lord of the Rings, you know, like yes. I feel that euphoric, like, <gasps> Wow. Yeah. And there's like certain scenes, certain moments where the music oh and the my action gosh. and the dialogue and the, the story have all come to a point where you're like, oh my God, it's so I get incredible, it, right? you know? <laughs> no, but favorite moment from that is in the second, I think. Uh, no, it's at the end of the first one. I think they've been rescued by the eagles and Thorin is dead. He's basically- Oh, in The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. The Hobbit. And Gandalf brings him back to life and Thorin gets up and he's this- you know, hard ass ego driven guy. And he starts to take it out on Bilbo. And then he says, and I've never been so wrong in my life. Ah, I love that right. Line. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 
you got to be the person to say those lines, right? And you can see the whole thing just dissolves there. And, you know, never got to see Sinatra live, never have seen Elton John live. But there are those moments that happen mm-hmm. where all of a sudden, whatever the, the big shot ego is, is gone. Mm. And it's just you. Mm. And the person who's there is sort of like the energy communicator. And it all happens. And, and I don't know, it makes me weep when I mm. see those kinds of things. When I feel that when I'm there for that, right? I can't not cry watching Lord of the Rings. Right, <laughs> right, right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, so many moments in Lord of the Rings. So those yeah. moments, I mean, we live for that stuff. We do. And that's why we love consuming, you know, movies, TV shows, stuff like that. Sometimes, yeah, it's a distraction. And that's probably when we might want to get off those devices and do some other things, perhaps. But, uh, you know, movies, TV and uh, music. I mean, it's it's just beautiful video games, beautiful mediums. I, I had a really emotional experience playing a Spider game, Spider-Man video game. Uh, not too long ago. There's beautiful video games like The Last of Us and other really stunning, stunning video games that just take you through a really emotional journey. So it doesn't matter what the medium is. It's it's the consciousness behind it. It's the essence. It's that feeling and that love definitely that goes into the creation of that, whatever it is you're you're experiencing. And that's why we love these. You really think about like, what do people do for fun? What do people do on their downtime? I mean, there's lots of things, but one of the main ones I could certainly say is is consuming what we would call entertainment, uh, which is basically in the form of different art forms. And because we're looking for a feeling, we're looking for some connection that, that just something that takes me a little bit further to, you know, further or almost takes me back to who we really are. Cause we get, I I think, one of the big things in life is that we just get so distracted from who we really are and why we're really here. Yeah. It's very easy to get distracted, you know, like no, nothing, no, uh, no, no um, judgment towards anyone who does that because it's a crazy, busy, loud world, but we do get taken away from that. So in those moments, like in Lord of the Rings where you're just like, my heart is like, oh, and the tears are coming. You're like, that's cause you're just, it's reminding you, you know, of, of who, of who you are. Yes. <laughs> of who we are. Yes. Mm. Yes. And, and I like that you said no judgment because I'm thinking of daredevils and we all think daredevils pretty crazy, right? But if getting as close to that moment is a peak experience that happens when you're you know, free falling from 17 miles up or however long it, mm. that guy went or you know, flying a kite inches from the rocks in a crevasse, you know, coming down the mountain or whatever it is that, that is really trying to get to that moment for you. Mm. Um, there's no sense of danger. There's just a sense of connection in that, right? Mm-hmm. If there was a sense of danger, they wouldn't do it. I mean, obviously there's a sense of danger, but the idea is, is breaking through that to find out how close to, how close, how close to God can fear take you, mm, right? I love that. Something like that. Goodness knows that isn't me, but I have that feeling about it, you know, because it's the same thing we're on stage. We're pushing ourselves. Some people would rather some people would rather jump off a cliff with a with a parachute than go on stage and perform. I know well, exactly. that's a huge fear for some people. Exactly. And I understand for a Streisand, stage fright is a huge thing. Mm. So every time that she's singing in public, it's that daredevil kind of a thing to be able to reach in that deep and make it happen. And uh, you know, whether you're sitting at the feet of the Dalai Lama or you're fortunate to be able to have seen Sinatra or Elton John or your your base jumper, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> I can't pass judgment on that. No, and you know, sometimes it works, and then sometimes it doesn't, and you know, the consequences are bigger one way or the other. But who's to say that chasing that experience is wrong, right? Whether it's in a video game or anything, chase that experience, right? Isn't that the the end of the day? Find out what your lane is and how you can get to that, mm. and then do that as often as you can. I was talking with a guy, and he's like, "Bill, I had this experience, and if you can recreate that experience for me." I'm your man. And I'm like, well, you know, I really can't recreate that experience for you, but I can show you how you can recreate that reliably for yourself. Mm. And isn't that what it's all about? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's going to concerts, great. If it's, you know, singing the ohm, great. If it's sitting in silence for 30 years, you know, whatever it is, isn't that what we want? Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's something that we we need that that sense of 
that sense of connection so, so much. And because there's so many things in our current civilized world that take us away from that, right. it's, it's like constantly having to remind, constantly having to remember, you know, and I, and I think you said it so well where it's once you find, you know, you are the best GPS for your life and, and using your emotions, using your feelings as guidance to be like, I like how this makes me feel when I um, do woodworking and I'm building a table for my friend. I feel so pure. I feel so good. I feel so purposeful. I feel so satisfying. Those are the feelings you want to pursue, you know, whether that's yeah. going skiing, base jumping, playing music, writing a book, reading a book, whatever it is, you know, those are the things that continually will take you closer to that, that place that we're always yearning for that we're always looking for. And typically that's what we consume art entertainment to feel some sort of connection back to that in, in a different way to feel that emotional kind of feeling. And um, I think that's really, that's really well said. I think that's a great takeaway for the audience listening is, you know, find that thing that makes your consciousness sing and, and feel so good and be like, Oh my God, I can't wait till I do that again. Like that just felt so good. You know, and that, that can literally be anything, anything it's whatever. And you're the only person those of you listening, you're the only person that will know. We can't tell you. Bill, Bill can't. I can't. <laughs> but you can because you know yourself the best, right? It's great to be on the front lines, be the cheerleaders for all of this, though. You got I, this. I love to see people coming awake, right? Absolutely. Even if you're already thinking you're awake, there's still more. Yeah. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong wherever you're at in your journey. Like that's exactly where you're meant exactly to be. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. No uh, judgment. However, however bad it feels, right. That's, that's, yeah. that's still good. <laughs> oh, that's great. Here, here we go with all the judgment terms again. So yes, you, so, you said it so well, Chris. Yeah. Wherever you are in your journey, it's a beautiful place. Thank exactly you for letting right us be right here. here. Mm, thank you audience for letting us share that with you. And I, I, one last thought, uh, there's a really great, um, uh, comedian, um, slash self-help guy, Kyle Cease. He's an American comedian. And, uh, he has a great thing where every time he's experiencing, let's say I, uh, on the, the map of consciousness, a lower vibrational uh, emotion like anger, jealousy, um, grief, whatever he'll say, I'm angry. And I love that. I'm, I am really sad today. And I love that. It's like we are in full acceptance of all of the things. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to feel whatever the hell you're feeling today. That's okay. You know, you can like whatever music you want to like. You can pursue whatever activities make you feel blissful and make you feel closer and connected to the universe, to yourself. All of that's okay. You, you got to go out there and, and figure that out for yourself. And guess what? It's a really fun, fun exercise and fun journey. Oh my gosh. What a journey. Yes. What a journey. Best kind. The best kind. Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya. Huchaya.